Welcome to The Leadership Line, a podcast that covers everyday work issues from dealing with jerks at work to feeling burnt out. Tammy and Scott's experience, along with their different perspectives, help listeners grow, examine realistic options and alternatives, and identify those actionable solutions to the tough issues we face every day at work. Scott and Tammy. Morning, Carmen. Welcome Good morning, to- Carmen. <laughs> Darth that, Scott. <laughs> Carmen, I'm not your father. <laughs> Darth Vader. He's playing Darth Vader this morning. <laughs> oh, now I have to now I have to uh come up with a new like uh welcome to the become more galaxy where uh, great ideas move faster than light speed. Nice. Woo! That was good off the top. That of your was head. good. I was thinking, <laughs> welcome to the become more galaxy where we're all f- stars. Oh, <laughs> actually, I'll take both. Other than <laughs> listen to your mouth, you've just Woo! been naughty lately. Just getting people warmed up. Well, you know, last week we talked a little bit about responsibilities and what happens when you get a lot of responsibility without the promotion that goes with them. And one of the things we touched on just a tiny little bit in that conversation was authority. And the question I want to to explore this morning is, how do you lead? How do you influence people over whom you have no organizational or technical authority? Because, you know, I think the best leaders don't limit their leadership to the people under them on an org chart. So how do you be a great leader, even to the people who don't have to listen to you? Scott, your answer would be? Oh, my, my default answer, baseball bat. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Which, you know, unfortunately, that's a, that's not an option. Well, it is an option. You just have consequences. <laughs> that's also <laughs> true. Big consequences. Yeah. And ultimately probably doesn't do anything for your leadership abilities. No. Fear. Uh, I mean, and and it might get one thing or two things done. What's interesting is Scott's tongue in cheek. Fear does get, get stuff done. Yeah. And yeah. fear oftentimes is a methodology that people use. And we see um fear mongers spread messages inside the organization to try to get people to follow their perspective. And this is a really normal way. It's like fear. And the other one is security. This thing will provide you security or this bad thing is going to happen to you. And that is a way that people try to influence when they don't, when they can't just make the call and say it has to be done. So, and I would not recommend those methodologies. Actually, there's long-term consequences. Yeah. yeah. If you, if you want to build a sustainable, amazing and engaged organization, that will not get you there. No, no. In that particular space. It will get you a project done or two or three. Right. And you can oftentimes use those two things to get a limited amount of power for a while, because that's a way to build a power base. All right. It will also come with it a reputation. And depending on what executive management thinks about that, there are some organizations we have been in where, to be honest with you, that's how executive management sees the world and that's how they lead. And that might actually get you promoted if that's 
the kind of organization that you work in. Again, what we will tell you is we think that's short-sighted. And so in that short-sightedness, uh, using fear is, I would tell you it's, right? it's I just, it's, it's not how we should interact with human beings. And it creates people who can build fear and it creates a bunch of people who cower. And that does not tap into the best of every single member of the team, which is how organizations are great. So if you set aside this, what I would say, not effective as well as irresponsible methodology, what can you do to influence those that you have not been given the right to say, I'm the boss? And we're going to do it my way. Okay. And there are some methodologies. In fact, Scott, you remember 18 years ago, this was one of the very first courses that you asked me to work with your staff on. Yeah. How to get things done when you're not in charge. Yep. yep. And we actually built a program out and a program that we still teach and facilitate today about when you are not the person in charge, what is it that you can do to influence and persuade people to see your perspective? We still have the influence packet. I love that. I love that very much. So what are, do you remember any of those steps? So it's been a while since since yeah, we actually well, the, did that. The, well, the first thing is what do you want to accomplish? What are you trying to get done? Whatever, you know, whatever that is, uh, change the software, get them on board with this. Get them to meet their deadlines. Meet a deadline, whatever it is. That's a piece that people oftentimes miss is they have not really sat down and said, what's the outcome you're looking for? What does success look like? What, you know, that thing that we're trying to achieve, what is that thing that we're trying to achieve? And I think that is really, don't just run and have an opinion. What is it? Think for just a minute and say, what is it that you're trying to achieve? What is success? And then the why behind that. So what does that drive? What makes that important? It's going to save time and customers will be happier, you know, whatever, whatever that is. That's really the business case. It is the business case. And if you, the why is because it makes my life better. Okay. If your why is because I think it's the right answer. Okay. This is not about you, the individual. This is the organization as a whole. And if you don't have a a why that is much bigger, that makes sense for the long-term success of the organization, the team, whatever that is, you've not thought it through far enough. So what is your business case? And I'm not asking you to do an MBA business case. I'm asking you to have a really good, solid return on investment for your perspective. Yep. Two, three, four bullets. And it is important to call out before I talk about kind of the next couple steps is, especially when you're new at this, this is where anyone that I've gone through this with, it's write it down. Write all of these things down. Take the time to think it through. Because if you do that two or three or four times, it will start to become natural for you. The third piece is, okay, whose mind do you you have to change or who do you have to get on board? It could be one people. It could be a group of people. Like who are the players? And by the way, that's something that is really important when you look at the end of the organization is for you to understand who are the players, who are the people who get things done, who are the people who block things, 
when you're looking at, hey, I have this idea and it's going to impact this team over here and it's going to impact that individual over there. And by the way, that manager way over there, if you can't see that big picture of who the players are, you're kind of in trouble. So this is actually worth sitting down and kind of walking that through and saying who would be impacted and touched as well as who are going to be the people who can grease the skids and who are the people who might block those skids. That is an important lesson. And with those names, the next part, I know it's separated, I think, in the process we laid out. I usually do it at the same time. What's important to them? And what I'm looking for is you are trying to accomplish A, how does A connect in with what is important to them? Correct. Because if I can connect the dots to say, hey, if we do this, it's going to make this easier for you or better for you. Making the decision to get on board with that is a lot easier. It also makes sense to take a look at who they are as a human being, not just kind of what they have to get done, their results. But if we were to go back and look at their predictive index profile, this person likes details. This person likes big picture. This person likes process. This person likes to think out loud. This person needs to think it over and then have a conversation. Understand who it is that you're talking to, because you're not going to talk to these people as a group most of the time. You're going to actually go have one-on-ones with these people individually. And that way you're not going to change your success statement. You're not going to change what it is you're trying to achieve. However, how you broach that conversation needs to come with one, there is something in it for them. And two, I am going to bring them the kind of information and bring it to them in a way that best works with the way their brain works, not necessarily best works with the way my brain works. So I'm going to modify so that they get the best opportunity to actually hear and consider my perspective. And then after that, I'll look at what might they object to, if anything. If I'm prepped. So the prep work going into that is what are they going to agree with and what might be their barriers, their issues, so that I have pre-thought that through. That doesn't mean I've solved them, but I've at least pre-thought that through and I'm not surprised by them. And then after that, I'm going to do whatever prep I need to do to then get ready and have the conversation. And before I go in to have the conversation with that individual or that group of individuals, I'm also going to think about what do I need to make sure I have at a minimum to go forward? Because maybe I can't get it all. Maybe I'm asking for $10,000 to implement this new change. But if I can only get $5,000, can I go forward? Correct. Because what you don't want to do is draw a line and say, if I can't have $10,000, then they can all go to hell. Well, no, if if $10,000 would be glorious and allows you to do it really, really well, will $5,000 allow you to take a step forward? And sometimes we come to the table with big, broad ideas. And we haven't kind of quite figured out that I don't have to have the end. What's the first step? Because that's the other thing. It's like, well, if we can't do this, then it's not worth it. It's like, wait a minute. Oftentimes we get places incrementally. So as I'm looking at this big thing, is there a way for me to say first step of this is here, second step of this is here, third step. So have I made it too big so that I'm going to have too many objections versus coming in and saying, hey, there is a there's a first step that's logical. Let's go to that first step and then let's pause. Let's see. And then let's kind of go at step two. So that's another thing that we oftentimes tell people in this. Is your ask, is your perspective something that we can break into smaller pieces that allow us to kind of get there? And each step has value. Each step has value as we go, but I don't have to have all 
of it today, I can take pieces and build on it to get there. And that is another thing that you should be asking yourself at this step. I think the last part, it's garnering the agreement of whatever you've worked through in that conversation. And can I back you up just a little bit? Yeah, please. When we go have those conversations. So before we have that conversations, like this is really what I don't have to have it all, but I really like this. This would be great. But when I go into that conversation, I need to not go into that conversation trying to convince. That's actually the wrong perspective. I've done all my homework. I'm now having my one-on-ones or my group conversation. I'm going to tell you, go to one-on-ones before group. And I actually think in these one-on-ones, I'm like, I'm laying it out. And then the first question I ask, once I've kind of laid out, here's what I'm thinking. My first question is, what do you like about it? I'm going to pay a lot of attention to what it is that they like about that particular idea. And I'm going to write down what they are saying. My next big question is, what don't you like about it? What are the barriers? What are the problems that you're going to see? And I'm going to actually just write them out. I'm not going to solve them. Like, what are the problems? And then my next question is, how could we overcome those problems? And we're going to go at each one of them. And now what's happened is I'm getting them into the problem solving. So that piece is, okay, good. I have agreement here. That's great. Then it's like, hey, what's the issues? And then how do I overcome those issues? Now I'm in problem solving mode instead of rejection mode. And in the end, I might ask after I go through all that, what do you see as next steps? They tell me what next steps are. Now, if I've done those one-on-ones and I'm working with them, there's going to come a time where I'm going to bring those folks together, but I've implemented, these are the stuff that they like. Maybe I had to change something just a little bit. This is how we're going to overcome those particular issues. My idea, I've actually garnered a whole bunch of other people's perspectives. And I haven't been so rigid on my plan that it's my way or the highway. I'm listening to the expertise and perspective of others and made it better. So don't be rigid on your idea. Be flexible as long as you're still getting to that same outcome. And now you kind of go to what Scott said is that, hey, they've given you a lot of feedback. I'm going to go start working on that so that we can make things work inside the system that we're working. Because whatever idea it is that you have, it has to work for the organization inside of the system. And you need to get other folks on board. And the way that you do that is by asking their opinion, by getting them in problem-solving mode. So all that pre-work that gets you to this spot that you can actually start moving that idea forward. Scott, how many people do this work? Maybe 10%. So our experience, especially in in frontline and middle management, is people like, I have this idea. And they literally are taking that idea and they take it into a big old meeting and they watch it get shut down because they haven't done this pre-work. And then they're like, upper management won't listen to me. And that's frustrating because we got to tell you, folks have great ideas. However, great ideas are not, I have an opinion. Great ideas are ideas that we actually take and we go through this work so that when we present it, we have the best chance of someone saying yes. And if you're not willing to do the work for that great idea, you yourself are shooting yourself in the foot instead of taking the time to nurture it, to build it, and to answer all of this pre-work question before you take it and just throw it out there and let people shoot down ideas. Because that's what we do naturally. We look at what's wrong with something instead of what's right. You need to build the opportunity to show people what's right so that when you actually bring it to the light of day, you've answered a lot of their concerns before you let someone shoot it down. The other thing I really like about that plan is it builds relationship. And a lot of times that's really what your authority is. Say you're not talking about an idea. 
in particular, you're just talking about trying to get shit done through people that don't have to do what you say. And all those things that you outlined build relationship with the people that you're trying to get work done through. Carmen, you just said that's the, here's the side benefit of that. So many people come in and they're like, I don't want to play politics. They think that that's politics. It's not. I've built a relationship with Scott so that Scott will give me a hearing. Even when my ideas don't come out right, even when my ideas are half-baked, I've built a relationship with Scott that he's like, okay, Tammy's usually smart, capable. She brings stuff to the table that's usually not just totally stupid. So I'm going to give it a hearing. That's what this influencing thing does is it builds these relationships. That's why we go to these one-on-ones. We build these relationships where people can see that you're thoughtful, that you listen, that you will consider other perspectives, that you add value, that you add value, that you see a bigger picture than just your selfish world. And that you've said, Hey, I'm seeing all of the places where, you know, this is going to impact others. So I have the whole in mind and that gives you credibility. And so that relationship and that credibility is the thing where people will then listen to you. That is not politics. That's just smart, but you have to do the work. And the fact that we call it politics makes me kind of angry because it's not political. Oh, I'll grease your palm if you grease mine. That's not what actually is happening. What is happening is I know you and I have a trusting relationship with you. I think Think you are smart and capable, and therefore I will consider your perspective. And every single person in an organization has to understand they are responsible for their reputation. Have you taken the time to build a positive reputation? Have you taken the time to build relationships? If you haven't, these are great opportunities to start doing that today. And that wraps up this week's episode of The Leadership Line. As always, feel free to reach out to us in the emails provided in this podcast description box, and be sure to check out our upcoming episodes always announced on LinkedIn. Thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you next week.